Hi, and welcome back to The Teacher's Promise and episode 29, Taking Charge of Your Educational Career. I'm very excited for this series of episodes because they will allow me to address two issues I've been thinking about for a long time. The first is that we teachers need to take control of our educational careers in a way that best fits our lives. And this starts with income, with compensation. For me, this has been a long, enjoyable, but slowly developing process. I know that if I had been a little braver, a little earlier, my family would be a little better off now. For someone else, this topic might cause a dramatic transition right now or soon or next year. But the main goal is for educators to realize that although these chaotic times have caused a lot of problems, they've also created a lot of opportunities for different types of growth, including financial. The other issue I've been thinking about a lot is taking this podcast in another direction, not abandoning the first, but adding another important theme that might run alongside it. For the last year, I've focused on our direct promise to students, highlighting teachers, spoken or unspoken promises to care for and love other people's children. I still strongly believe in this mission and intend to share these types of stories. But now I really want to add discussions and explorations about your promise as a unique person, as a unique teacher with specific skills, and as a professional educator with choices. Hopefully, I'll clearly and sufficiently explain how this is not mainly about more money. Some people might choose to develop these ideas and not need or want the additional money. But it is certainly about making enough money to keep up with inflation without having to work as a painter or barista. It is about making enough money to meet our needs while also satisfying our personal growth expectations as professionals. Most teachers I know don't like to talk about money and teaching, as if we're doing something wrong to expect a place in the middle class. But many of us, including me, complain a lot about our compensation, which is understandable. Well, if you haven't already realized this, nobody is going to solve our financial or professional problems but us. Politicians have lied or misled us since public education was formed in the beginning of the 20th century. If you go back and look at the history, you'll see nothing about the situation is new other than the lack of teachers. They don't care about the obscenely disproportionate effect of inflation on educators and their families. Even when they acknowledge that the educational system in America is experiencing major problems, they focus on how to solve those problems for students and families. They don't care about educators as individuals. Now, superintendents and school boards might care a little, but they sure seem to focus more on buildings and new programs and taxes and voters, which makes sense as that's what communities seem to want from them, and they did hire them. And year after year, we make less and get less respect. Now, if you disagree with me and think someone else is going to change our situation, 
please just consider for a moment everything the decision makers have said over the last five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, versus what they've actually done. Consider where they've spent the money, what they've chosen to nurture and what they've chosen to neglect, and whether being a teacher has improved during your career or gotten harder. What people say doesn't matter. It's what they do. So, many of the monthly topics this season will focus on ways we educators can take charge of our careers. This past month has focused on different ways to earn income. If you didn't listen yet, please go back to episode 28 to hear about Missy Bosley's evolution into adult coaching. And the next section will focus on different ways to provide instruction, some of which might improve the quality of our life experiences. But for the next few episodes, we're going to explore how to start making changes and taking charge of our profession and our income. Now, I know that many of us, including me, join this profession because we want to serve kids, perhaps without the struggles of business concerns or market um, factors. But things have changed dramatically, and they are going to continue to change very quickly. Many of us just can't afford to live on the stagnant wages school districts still offer, especially in rural areas and in many inner-city districts. I completely understand why so many educators are leaving and why so many bright young people choose not to become teachers. The worsening teacher wage penalty, changing social expectations, increased workloads, and far, far too little respect. And to be completely honest, it doesn't look like things are going to improve. So for those of us that intend to stay in education, let's take charge of our careers. Let's imagine, discuss, and explore new ways to serve our kids that also allow more flexibility and opportunities for our growth. We don't all have to do it exactly the same way. The traditional paths to advancement in education used to be mostly administration or secondary positions, like becoming a teacher of teachers at the college level. As important as these jobs are, they don't look appealing to many of us, and they might be shrinking as colleges adjust to new demographics. According to Zipia.com, U.S. schools currently employ about 6,000 administrators, a number that has risen dramatically in the last 10 years, while at the same time, U.S. schools employ almost 4 million teachers. We can't all climb the golden ladder to a mid-six-figure salary in the front office, even if we wanted to. But we can create new paths, depending on our unique situations, goals, and needs, if we are willing to do the work and to envision a different kind of future. And that doesn't mean we must abandon our security, insurance, retirement, or dedication to children. We just need to be creative, brave, and confident. I know, easier said than done. So first, in order to best explore these new possibilities this season, I'll be referring to educators in three phases of a typical career. New teachers, 
experienced teachers, and retiring or near-retiring teachers. This will allow us to consider different options most suitable at different stages. Second, I will regularly refer to what I call foundational professional concepts. Things like digital literacy, business basics, social media, intellectual property, and the entrepreneurial mindset. Now, many of you already know a lot of these uh, concepts, but it doesn't hurt to make sure, and for those of you that don't, it will be extremely helpful in creating your new path. And third, over the next two or three weeks, we'll explore four possible paths to map out examples so you can create your unique educational career path. We'll talk about being an educational coach, like Missy Bosley. We'll talk about being an independent teacher, like Karen Riddle in episode nine from last season. We'll talk about becoming a content service provider, which is one of the paths that I practice and am interested in pursuing more, and becoming a writer-publisher, which is not as hard as you think. is also something that I have worked on. Please note that all these example pathways can and probably should be modified to meet your unique skills and vision and do not require you to quit teaching. I am getting closer to retirement. Actually, at the end of this year, I can if I retire if I want to, but I do not want to stop teaching. I really enjoy the process. So one truth that's become very clear to me after 24 years in education is that teachers cultivate a wide variety of valuable skills and content. So if you want or need to take charge of your educational career, you certainly can. The secret, no matter how old you are or which phase you're in, is to start preparing now. It's really good advice, no matter what you're interested in, regardless of how long it takes to actually develop something that comes to fruition. Start now. So I think each of us should determine which phase we fall into, but we can probably talk about these phases in about five-year increments. Now, many of us felt like new teachers for the first three to five years, the time when we're so busy we can't really understand how our creative ideas and insights can uniquely improve our content area. And nowadays we have a lot of uh, new teachers coming in that did not go through student teaching. They're being uh, trained and mentored on the job. So they're probably going to be closer to five years before they feel like they're no longer a new teacher. But that depends on the individual. The next 10 to 20 years after that is all about growing experience and refining not only our process, but our content. Even if teachers use a curriculum, we know what really works. And so we can and should develop our own content alongside it. For example, I've developed and improved my own singing, dancing, memorization-based system of teaching grammar over the last 20 years. I call it Grammarology, and I know it works. Not because it's colorful and fun and the students like it, or that because I've worked really hard on it, but because of my students' experience and feedback. They have regularly grown and improved their writing and speaking skills, and then given me feedback, which I've used to adapt the program. I didn't know when I started working on it at home during the summer that it would become a program. I just knew what worked with my students. Now, the third phase is retiring or near-retiring teachers. And for this group, the priority is to find a way to continue to teach and mentor kids part-time or full-time without so many non-teaching, often stressful 
logistical additions. After 24 years as a teacher, I just don't want to run around the gym yelling and clapping during homecoming anymore. As we explore each of the four example paths, we'll consider how they differ for different teachers in different phases. Now, the fundamental concepts are important for everyone who wants to take charge of their educational career, but that doesn't mean we must all master or apply all of them. For example, I dislike social media, but I know it's important. I could choose not to really tackle social media and spend more of my time with direct contacts with administrators or curriculum directors, but I need to expand. So even though I dislike it and I'm pretty bad at it, I'm going to try again. This round, this year, I'm going to focus on LinkedIn and maybe X, formerly Twitter, as well as continuing to create and promote this podcast and better organize, develop, and advertise my YouTube channel. Other educators, especially younger ones, probably already use social media smartly, but they might dislike the idea of using artificial intelligence, whereas I not only think it's important, but enjoy using and learning about it. So please don't feel like you must embrace all these concepts equally or even embrace all of them. Just consider them and keep them in mind as you take charge of your direction and future. During this episode, I will quickly introduce the foundational concepts, then we'll explore them more as we consider each path in future episodes. I really want to stick to the approximate 20 minute time period that educators have told me is a, a good middle ground. So the first foundational concept is digital literacy. This concept is essential for us and our students. So no matter what we teach, we should all strive to be digitally literate and then teach and expect it from our students. Educators can no more act like technology isn't a part of their job than they can refuse to use a grading program or the internet. So one great way to practice and promote digital literacy is to create, develop, and improve a professional online presence. Perhaps a web page, which is what I do, or a Facebook or Instagram account if it is helping with your teaching. Whatever works for you to create and make available your content. The next step is to embrace tech training or digital PD sessions. If we must do it, instead of complaining, we might as well choose to learn and maybe later we could lead them. Who knows, we might become expert enough to write a book and train educators in other districts and create another source of income. Most educators will admit that they should know how to intelligently use technology. But in all honesty, understanding how to use a computer or solve basic problems should be expected. If we want to embrace the future, we must accept and maybe even embrace, or at least use, AI. Both to improve our work and teach our students how to prepare for their future. Artificial intelligence is not going away, and we need to help them understand and use it. Digital literacy includes other topics, and we don't have to understand them all, but if we want to take charge of our careers, we must embrace at least the ones we believe are important and try to expand our abilities. Now, I feel a bit like a charlatan because, as I said before, I'm terrible at social media and not great at networking, but I know it is important. So you probably know more than me as long as you are connecting to people with technology. One way that I recently learned to direct your social media connections is to cultivate connections with 
two areas in mind or two perspectives, a creator community and a customer community. The creator community is the one where you connect to people who like you are making cool stuff or creating interesting content. And then you can help each other and get feedback. And then later help spread the word for products that you might be trying to share with the districts. The customer community is more about networking, connecting to principals, grant providers, curriculum directors, and teachers who can spread the word with the intention of trying to find customers. One idea I intend to pursue after I retire is applying for grants to provide teachers and students in less affluent conditions, curriculum and or tutoring free of charge to the students or those teachers. I stopped promoting my online summer school classes after the first year, even though I got like 16 customers that first year, because so many of my students didn't finish the work and therefore I couldn't give them the credit. I felt like I'd taken their parents' money falsely, so I didn't feel confident moving forward. Now, I need to work on this and figure out a way to make sure that there aren't so many students not doing the work, but it's a work in progress. And we'll see if this grant issue or idea pans out. I'll let you know. The next fundamental concept is extremely important. Intellectual ownership of your content. Whatever you create, offer, or develop, you must pay close attention to where and when you create it. If you create it at school during work hours, your district owns it. Whereas if you create it during the summer or after hours and then donate that content to your school or students, you own the intellectual property rights. So I copyright all my materials online right after I create it. And I also use software that timestamps my work so I can prove when and indirectly where I created it. Nowadays, we can all ask AI programs for legal advice and they do a good job. So I do that and I recommend you do the same when you get to the point where you're starting to actually create legal content. The last fundamental concept is an entrepreneurial mindset. If we want to develop our professional educational careers, we must believe in education for ourselves as well. We must believe our skills and content are worth a fair market value. And therefore, we have to learn how to charge fair rates and not undersell our work. And we must believe we will succeed. The entrepreneurial mindset is fundamentally an issue of confidence and hard work and believing in what you're creating. But many successful business owners lack real confidence when they start. They simply fake it till they make it. And then their success builds their confidence. And we can do the same. Later in the season, we'll talk about ways to diversify your content, to create passive income, how to create a simple but formal business so you can build school districts and apply for grants. But for now, the most important thing to do is start dreaming about the kind of professional educator you might want to be. Start imagining what a path that will give you more flexibility and freedom looks like. And when you're ready, start planning. You don't have to tell anyone. You may or may not 
implemented. But if you get started, your chances of success go way up. So thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, please make sure, if you haven't already, that you subscribe on either your podcast or if you uh, go to Hanson Education Services and subscribe so you'll get an announcement the next time we have an episode. At least for the next month or so, uh, the episodes will come at different times than scheduled because I want to add these smaller examples of career paths. Um, and once again, thank you very much for being an educator, for being a teacher. You do wonderful work, and I'm proud to be your colleague. Remember, take care of yourself so you can take care of others, and that includes financially. And thank you. We'll see you next time.